0: Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
1: Miller & Conde Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you until noon. 15 minutes or thereabouts, we'll talk Iowa State, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. And uh 40 ish from HawkeyeNation.com, John Miller will join the program as the Hawks wrap up their non-conference. Okay, I know they've played Rutgers already. Trent. They have. Don't give me that dirty look. I know they've played <laughs> Rutgers. But Middle Tennessee, they'll wrap it up this week. But We're going to talk some college basketball right now. The Valley has held their media days. But as important as it is to discuss that, and we will get to it, uh, Kevin Lehman, color analyst for college basketball. You see him all over uh, in the winter months doing games. James, uh Kevin Trenton, Ken, good to reconnect with you as we will uh many times between now and the nets being cut down. I want to start with the uh uh the fact that the NCAA is now taken control of what was uh, in front of the courts, uh, federal courts, uh, with the uh, basketball scandal. Kansas was just the first, is how I kind of see this, Kevin, uh, the first to get the uh, uh, the charges leveled at them that uh, be prepared, something is coming. Uh, your take on what we've seen so far from this, good to talk to you, Kevin. How are you?
0: I'm doing good, Ken. And uh, the NCAA, a bit embarrassed from that North Carolina academic scandal, where they couldn't get anything done. This is their time to really take control. I think this is a huge, huge case for the NCAA. Kansas, you're going to see allegations against Arizona, Louisville, USC, possibly Auburn. Creighton? Yeah, Creighton has been talked about also. But what the NCAA is trying to do is establish that T.J. Gaskell, the Adidas ref is a booster for Kansas. And if they can establish that, it's going to really shake up the grassroots program of these basketball shoe companies because they not only give these players gear in the summer, the high school players, but there's cash money for them to play for their program. That makes them, if they can establish that they're a booster, now you're talking about all types of illegal improprieties for uh, underclassmen and. We know the situation Adidas is pushing players to Kansas because they've got a $100 million contract with Kansas to wear their shoes.
2: You know, Kevin, as you look at this case and you look at the Kansas-specific part of it, Bill Self is digging his heels in, no surprise there, and Kansas is backing him too. But if these infractions are met and sanctions are handed down, maybe a show cause that goes along with it, Bill Self has meant a lot for this Kansas basketball program, obviously. Say he gets a two-year show call, something like that. Does Kansas keep him on? Do they keep him on? He, obviously, he can't be part of the program, but knowing after these two years that Bill Self will again be our coach, or is it just too dirty and you got to cut ties?
0: But if he's going to have uh, there's five level one allegations against Bill Self, the one is institutional control and the other is Anything happens to the head coach he's responsible for. It looks Mm -hmm. like Curtis Townsend's assistant is heavily involved with Adina's payoff. I don't see how you could keep him on, Trent. I think you see Bill Self go the NBA because Mm -hmm. this is not going to affect them this season because the process takes so long. I think you see Bill Self bolting for an
1: NBA job. Yeah, I'm with you, Kevin. I think this is the last year he uh, gets his mail in Lawrence or wherever he lives. Uh, and he's going to go to the NBA because if they do come down as severely as most people believe they will, I'm with you. There's no way they can keep him. Likewise, Sean Miller's going to be moving from Tucson. Not sure where he's going. We just don't know the depth. Does it get to Duke? I mean, Zion was, you know, he was going to Kansas and then he leaves Kansas and gets to Duke. I mean, something had to be going on there, right? I just think that the blue bloods of college basketball maybe not sleeping as well as they once did. Well, let's move on, and we'll... We'll obviously readdress this as more news comes up from it, but uh, uh, the Valleys held their media days. They were the first ones to go as they uh, all got together. we can have two fun teams here in the state to cover this year. Of course, Drake came from nowhere last year, had a chance to play uh, in the final of the tournament in St. Louis. Um, a great story. Panthers, I think, are going to be better this year. Are we going to have two good teams to follow this year, Kevin? I really think we will, Ken. I think
0: you're going to see a... More talented, Missouri Valley Conference. Probably as talented since we lost Creighton and Wichita State because what the Valley has done, they used to be have their best players post. They're now in the transfer portal. Missouri State's bringing in Lamont West, averaged 12 a game at West Virginia. They've got other transfers coming in from Nevada, Middle Tennessee State. You're seeing other teams in the Valley do this, load up with transfer talent. Uh, Northern Iowa probably the new team that stays more traditional. But when you look at the rosters, Northern Iowa lost the lead. White Lowhouse gone, Miles Winston. They got a else back and added some key pieces. Uh, and we know that Darren DeVries understands how this system works. He loaded that team up quick last year. Look for Drake to be in the mix again.
2: Unbelievable job that DeVries did <laughs> there in year number one, and looks to be certainly building what could be one of the powers of the MVC. It's a different kind of conference here. Ben Jacobson's done a great job. What's the high-water mark for the Panthers this year? If everything comes together, is this a team that can put together a resume good enough? You know they'll schedule well in the non-conference to, to be a team and maybe get a second bid? Or is that just too much with this Panther squad? Well,
0: if you look at the Valley, trend, what's happened to them, the, the net has come in. They can't get games. Uh, against those power teams other than what happens in the multiple team events. So look for this in the Valley. They have to get some quality wins on those neutral courts in those Thanksgiving tournaments, uh, the ones right after Thanksgiving. Last year, the Valley had one win over a Power 5 team. That was Bradley over Penn State. They have to accumulate those. Otherwise, if this is not a multiple-bid team uh, league, it stays as one bid uh, But. but the top, and you talk about the Panthers, I right now I have three teams I think can win this regular season mm-hmm. title. Missouri State's loaded with talent. Dana Ford, Pruitt, he can coach a little bit also. I got Northern Iowa up there because of what they come to bring back. Big question mark, what can Austin Fife give them in the middle? Mm-hmm. And then Bradley also, who represented the Valley in the NCAA tournament, they bring back some people. And I got Drake right below that as my sleeper
1: team. Excellent. Well, there's some breaking news while well, we have you on the air. Basketball-related Josh Passner, Georgia Tech, has just been hit with a postseason ban uh, starting this year, 2020. Not sure if they had an NCAA-quality uh, team or not, but uh, if they do, they're not going to postseason. They've just been banned. Uh, Kevin, let's uh, let's go around uh, the uh, the other two in-state teams. I'll start with Iowa State, who got some really good news yesterday, or a couple of days ago, where Sear Bolton autom- automatically instantly eligible uh they've begun practice in Ames for the upcoming season uh what is uh Bolton's eligibility due to this team's postseason hopes is he you know from what we saw as a freshman at Penn State he certainly didn't look out of place he's gonna be, I think he can play a big role for Prohm uh does this now m- elevate them from uh, let's see how this unfolds to yeah this is a team that can uh, uh that can make uh, the tournament
0: well, okay, Ken, it certainly helps because they've also got Prince of who Six averaged 16 a game at Colorado State. both we know, can score at a high level. Tyrese Halliburton. So I like that backcourt, but they have some huge shoes to fill with what they lost in graduation or to the NBA in Shea, Wigginson, uh, Horton Tucker, Nick Weatherbapp. I mean, those guys lost a lot of minutes mm-hmm. and a lot of three-point shots. But I like that. This was huge for Iowa State and Steve Pro to get Bolton eligible. Gives them another three-point threat because uh, we know Nixon can make them. We know Bolton can. We know Halbert. My question with the Cyclone is their inside game. I like Jacobson. How much can George Condit progress between his freshman and sophomore year? Salmon Young's back. So can they have the presence inside to help out that perimeter game?
2: It'll be a fun one, certainly, and I think a team that's going to push here, getting him eligible, Bolton yep, is really changing. I think the perception of Iowa State over to Eastern Iowa again. Let's take a look at the Hawkeyes. I guess the question remains: Jordan Bohannon. Most people feel like he will not play this season. He'll redshirt and then come back the following season. There, without Bohannon, this team doesn't have a shot to compete, do they? Yeah. Look at two
0: names, two roster names: DJ Frederick. And Joe Tucson. can they play in the backcourt with experience? They're freshmen. They're unknown. Uh, I think that's a big key. What can they give them? I like what Connor McCaffrey gives them off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like what they got in the front line. Camp can play all the court. Creener is giving them great minutes. I think you're going to see Garza step up even more. with Nunji back. But that back. Yeah, that backcourt guy, that backcourt's
1: a little bit iffy for the Hawkeyes. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Kevin. Are you hearing any differently regarding Bohannon? Because we've heard, you know, uh, who did we hear? What did we hear earlier in the week, Trent? Was it uh, a national said, don't not, don't write him off necessarily, yeah. that there's still a ch-. What are you hearing, Kevin, from the people you talk to within the state borders of, uh, uh, of the state of Iowa here that follow the Hawks? Is there a chance Bohannon plays, or what are you hearing?
0: Most of the fun I get, Ken, is he will not play this year. They mm-hmm. want to fully rehab that if This is a major surgery they've had. Uh, other players have done it. It's a long recovery process. So if he does play, he's not going to be 100% until maybe midseason. I just look for Jordan Blan. And, and if you're the coach, you know, you know, Fran, I think, looks for his players' uh, best interest. That You, you have to sit him out this year. Let him get healthy and I come agree. back next year, 100%.
1: Have you got your marching orders? Where will you be over Thanksgiving? What tournament are you doing? Have they told you yet?
0: Well, I'll be back in the Virgin Islands with Paradise Jam. Uh, Steph and is the headline team. Illinois State and Balfour will be there from the Valley. And we're going to see a sighting of Steve Alfred as Nevada is in that tournament.
1: (laughs) Good stuff. Kevin, thank you. We'll talk to you a whole bunch between now and the uh, end of March. Kevin Lehman, appreciate it, Kevin. All right, thanks, guys. You have a great day. Yeah, you do the same. Kevin Lehman, uh doing a little college basketball. Our first since they cut down the nets in Minneapolis. Yes. Getting close. They're practicing, Trent. They are. Practices started yesterday. It's... Nebraska, I saw pictures. Iowa State, I saw pictures of practice. So Iowa State's a uh, tournament team. I think with this Bolton, yes. I think it changes things. You and, and Angela, I. Kevin's really, he's right on the money. I mean, Shea, yeah. Horton, Tucker. It's a lot of scoring, and this yes. is what they needed. Weiler Bab. Wigington, that's some athleticism Has walked out the door.
2: You and I, Drake, in the fight for the regular season Hope title. so. And then it comes down to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And Iowa, I... see you in 2020-21. Mm. I want to see what Nunji brings. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm really, really... Glass half full here with them today.
2: It doesn't look good. <laughs> it doesn't look
1: it, good. You know, look, they got a chance. I'm going to go back to glass half full. Uh, we're going to go to break is where we're going to go. Alex Halstead will join the program next. We'll talk Iowa State. Well, get some Bolton in there with him as well. Get his take on Baylor and Iowa State. It's 2.30 uh, on Saturday afternoon. Who's got that one? Is that an ESPN? Or did... Maybe yeah, it, was a... it is... Uh, it is ESPN, big ESPN. 206. It. 206 on DTV. Miller and Condon are on KXNO. We'll be right back with Alex Halstead uh, on 1460. For information. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Take you until noon, 15 minutes or thereabouts. John Miller, we will uh, opine on what we've seen out of Iowa the first three weeks and take a look ahead uh, to Big Ten play. Alex Halstead, uh, Waco-bound. He joins the program. Well, he's not Waco-bound now. That's tomorrow when all the Iowa State media will be uh, headed uh, flying into Dallas and then driving over to Waco. And Alex joins us. Alex, Trent, and Ken. Thanks for coming on, Alex Halstead. How are you?
3: I'm doing good, yeah. Getting ready to head down to... Waco where it's supposed to be 95 degrees so uh, hope, hopefully the rain stays away but uh, it, it might be a hot one down there.
1: In the middle of the afternoon too mm-hmm. so yeah interesting. Hey let's pick up where we, uh, where Trent and I just left off before we get to football just the uh, uh, the Rasir Bolton uh, eligibility. I think this is a big bump for this club I really do. Uh, saw him last year in the Big Ten as a freshman and when I saw him he certainly didn't look out of place. He might have been the best Nittany line or certainly one of a, a couple of them uh, against Iowa when they played uh, in January of last year, so this is a really big get, and I think it, you know, removes Iowa State from that. Eh, maybe, maybe not. To at least, yeah, they got a really good chance uh, of uh, of at the very least being on the bubble. Big get that he's eligible.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's probably a situation that puts him in the middle of the pack of the Big Twelve in most conversations, at least entering the season. I mean, they're still unknowns because you don't know exactly what uh, Rozier, Bolton, or Prentice Nixon are going to bring. But uh, I do know Steve Prohm thinks that uh, Nixon, Bolton, and Halliburton can all three be double-figure scorers. And so when you're talking about getting a double-figure scorer eligible in, in Bolton, that really changes this. Because I think the big discussion before this news was, where does the scoring come from? And now all of a sudden, maybe you add 10, 11 points a game, and that really takes some pressure off having to make sure that Terrence Lewis or Zion Griffin or someone steps up. Not to say they don't want those guys to still step up and, and find out you know what their roles can be, but... Um, you know, yeah, you said you know Bolt has been proven. I think started four of twenty games of the Big Ten last year, averaged ten points per game in Big Ten play only, and had big games against Purdue and Nebraska. So he's played teams at a high level and played good teams.
2: So we saw uh, during the August uh, run over there when they went across the pond a little more usage of the big guys inside. Solomon Young working his way back into things. Of course, what they have. Uh, with Jacobson, and then you throw Condit into the mix too. I know they toyed around with it a little bit, something we talked about a lot last season. Do you see more playing two big guys together this season, or is it going to be really what prom is like for perimeter guys surrounded by one big?
3: Yeah, I think it's a good chance we're going to see more of it because, you know, the, the main starting lineup that they seem to go with overseas, and you know, like you said, it's a little premature, the competition's not the same, so, uh, you know, I know they were experimenting with stuff, but the main starting lineup we saw was uh, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Prentice Nixon, Brazier Bolton, Michael Jacobson, and Solomon Young, and then you saw, you know, George Condit kind of coming off the bench, and then they got to find maybe another one or two guys to, to be off the bench in terms of the backcourt, but... Uh, you know, those were the the five guys starting, and I think we could see a lot of that. There's been talk that, you know, Jacobson can play the four, um, and can play some different roles, and then I think they've even tried guys like Zion Griffin at the four. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing, but I think that backcourt's probably pretty set with Terrence Lewis trying to work in the mix alongside Trey Jackson and, and Caleb Grill, and then that front court, you know, it's really three guys, Michael Jacobs and Solomon Young and George Condit. So I think it's still some time to play with it, but I think we're gonna see a lot more bigs. Uh, in terms of two bigs, so then we get last season.
1: Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com is our guest, Miller and Condon, on uh, Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO to the here and now, and that's football season. You had an interesting tweet yesterday. I knew the tight ends were certainly a bigger, uh, bigger part of Iowa State's offensive game plan this year, and it's about time, but they've got some guys that can catch the football. And move the chains was what really stuck out to me, in particular uh, my guy Charlie Kohler. Look, we're used to seeing uh, tight ends over in Iowa State. City moved the chains. Iowa State's uh, now got some guys that uh, are doing just that. Kohler, 10 of his 14 catches have been for first downs. Nice to see the tight ends having the role in this offense they are.
3: Yeah, I know you've been really high on Kohler for, for quite a while now, and, and you're right, that's kind of been the big thing. And that's I kind of want to look it up because you know it's one thing to have to see the target numbers. You know They're getting targeted on 25.2% of their passes this season. Uh, that's compared to eight basically nine percent of passes last season so there's been a major jump they're already almost past their total catches and total target numbers from all last season which was 13 games so that obviously stands out you know they're getting used more but I was kind of curious about you know what they're doing because one of the big things that people have talked about is who's going to replace Hakeem Butler and one of the things Butler did so well was he moved the chains on third down you know they could throw it up to him and so it kind of seems like the tight ends have kind of taken over that role they've got 19 catches 13 of those catches have been for first downs, and that's primarily Charlie Kohler, like you said. 10 of his 14 catches have gone for first downs this year, and uh, I think that's going to continue. You know, Kohler right now on pace for 56 catches, and I know that's really premature to start doing on-pace stuff, but you know, when you look at Iowa State history, their most catches in a season by a tight ends is 54. Um, so he's well on pace to be right up there with the most used tight end in Iowa State history, and uh, I think we're starting to see what we've been hearing all along.
2: So the offensive line in a state of flux after the injury that we saw back at the beginning of the season as Colin Newell went down with a knee injury. Tell us what you've seen about Trevor Downing. I know you had some numbers from Pro Football Focus, and sounds like, at least from there, grading out very well the redshirt freshman.
3: Yeah, they obviously watch games in depth, and you know, I'm sure different people grade things differently across the country. Uh, we haven't actually heard Irish State's grades, but according to Pro Football Focus, you know he played 35 pass blocking snaps on Saturday allowed just one quarterback hurry and uh, also graded out as the second best run blocker among all guards in college football on Saturday. So, you know, obviously that's a, that's a good number for him, no, no matter what the opponent is, you know, in just his second career start. And so he's played really well two games in. I think Matt Campbell said against Iowa, there were a learning moments for him because, you know, you're just for the first time out there dealing with different things teams are throwing at you. But I think he even made progress from the Iowa game to the Louisiana Monroe game and expect him to now start his third game against Baylor. The, the interesting thing will be what happens you know when Colin Newell comes back uh sounds like he's starting to get back into practice, but I still think he's probably a bit away, but you know when he gets back, if downing's playing that well, you know how do you shuffle things so I think mean, that's what's going to be interesting, but the good thing is. You know, Dowling has been pretty much everything they thought he could be.
1: Alex Halstead is our guest, com. I, I really liked what I saw in, in Limited. And again, it was not garbage time. But it was the end of the game, and kind of was garbage time. Uh, but Jarrell Brock uh, caught my attention. Not only the way he ran the ball. Uh, somebody had the um, uh, the coach's view on Twitter. but It was either Matt Bowen or might have been Sage Rosenfels. Brock, second-level block, taking out a linebacker. He gets that's what he's going to have to do at this level to play. I liked what I saw there, and in fact, I want to see more of Jairal Brock and with Nwango maybe or maybe not going to be able to answer the bell. Might we see more of uh, Jairal Brock this weekend? Yeah, that's what's going
3: to be interesting is to see how the team handles Brock and, and Brees Hall. Um, Brees Hall's played in three games. Brock has played in one. You're starting to get closer to that redshirt shirt count. Um, you know, Brees Hall's to the point where you probably assume he's going to burn it. Would they be willing to burn both? Would? They want to try to figure this out and try to you know get both up to those four games and then make a decision. It's going to be interesting to see how that starts to play out. But yeah, I think Brock was one of the most impressive players in that fourth quarter. And yeah, it was against probably Louisiana Monroe second stringers too. But I think his ability to get yards after contact, that block you mentioned, you know, that's one thing about Brock is he's really physical. uh, A kid that was a safety back in high school, I think one of his hits as a safety went viral kind of when he was in high school. So he's a kid that can block and. And hit hard, and it'll be interesting because they're still trying to figure out that running back position. You mentioned Canadian Wanglu, he's been their best running back, uh, really. Mm-hmm. You know, 18 carries, I think, for 108 yards, but he he hasn't been healthy. You know, that shoulder is just kind of bothering him. So if he doesn't play Saturday, then you got to really figure out what to do because you know, I think you still still want to see probably more from Donnie Lang and uh, those those freshmen have shown flashes but haven't necessarily gotten into a rhythm. So I'm interested to see how that unfolds, and I think it could be more Brock, could be more Hall. Um, but it, it'd be nice for them if, if K'nane Nwongu could get healthy because I think he could be that guy.
2: Cyclone Alerts, Alex Halstead joining us here. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Alex, uh, as you go through and you look at these two teams, Baylor and Iowa State, Baylor has very much adopted what Iowa State and Heacock have done defensively. You see them running a lot of that three-three-five stack umbrella look that the Cyclones do. They want to play physical. They want to be that physical branded. And this really feels like just two teams out there that... If you want to make that ascension, you want to be the team, look, neither of these teams are ever going to out-recruit Oklahoma and Texas in the league. But to be that next team, to be in that next tier and at the top of it, not only for this year, but going forward, two teams really fighting for almost the same piece of real estate, if you will.
3: Yeah, I asked uh, Matt Rule about that on the conference call that these two teams really seems like have played different types of Big 12 games the last couple of years. They haven't been these necessarily shootout-type mm-hmm. games. They've been physical. You know, we saw that last year with the kind of little little in-game fight um they've been mm-hmm. physical tough nose type games you know rule said that uh you know he noted that they've been held to 13 and 14 points the last two years and, and mentioned haycock is like a big reason uh why things have been di- so difficult for them to move the ball um so it, it is an interesting type of game i think that's kind of the type of game that people expect to maybe unfold is the game in the 20s or something like that where they're kind of you know going back and forth um but I think both teams also have really good quarterbacks. I think probably two of the best four quarterbacks in the league alongside Jalen Hurts and, and Sam Allinger. I think in, in any order you could probably rank those four. Um, so, you know, Charlie Brewer presents a lot of challenges for them. They yeah. they struggle to you know, contain him on the ground. That's kind of probably the biggest weakness so far of the Iowa State defense is sometimes mobile quarterbacks. And this starts a run of mobile quarterbacks between Charlie Brewer, Sam Allinger, Jalen Hurts, Spencer Sanders. Um, they're going to get their first taste of it this week. And it's a little bit different with Brewer. Uh, but he can hurt them in a lot of ways, so I think that's that's probably the biggest challenge for Iowa State this weekend.
1: Yeah, you know uh, Sanders. You mentioned him. Boy, he got my attention last week against Texas. His kids. He's a load too. He's tough to get on the ground. Uh, what did you get wrong? Where did you miss on the Big 12 as you go back to August? What have you seen as you know Iowa State gets set to uh, uh, begin their conference play? What have what uh, what have you seen that's uh, caused you? Know, I missed on that team, or I underestimated them, or I over- or overestimated them. What did you get wrong? Yeah, definitely
3: my biggest miss is Kansas State. Um, I had already started to feel like I was were a little low, I think, before the season started. But now I think they're definitely like a, they feel like they could be a middle-of-the-pack team. Now, we're going to find out a lot about Kansas State in the next four weeks. I think they play Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Baylor, and TCU their next four games. So we're going to find out a lot more about them. But you know the fact that they're 3-0, and um, didn't just beat Bowling Green but dominated them. I know Bowling Green's not good. Uh, but then they also – Um, went on the road and won at Mississippi State. So they've been a lot better, quicker than I thought they would be. Um, These two's one I'm still waiting to see. I have them pretty high. I think I have them like fourth or fifth. Um, And I think they could be that, but it sounds like they've got some injuries again, and they're still figuring out that quarterback situation. Although uh, next weekend, Iowa State will see uh, Iowa native Max Duggan at quarterback. So they've got some pieces, but I'm still kind of waiting to see what they look like.
1: Yeah, as are we, uh, no doubt about it. Good stuff, Alex Halstead. Uh, Travel safely. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Alex Halstead, com. Iowa State and Baylor, 2.30 in the afternoon. Iowa and Middle Tennessee State, 11 o'clock in the morning.
2: Get it kicked off.
1: They will kick off the day. What else is going on at 11? What's the big Fox game? Mm. It is. Let me find it here for you. Because it certainly is not they Ohio State Nebraska. They've got Texas Tech and Oklahoma. Yeesh. Rutgers, Michigan. Northwestern, Wisconsin. Kansas, TCU. I want to watch a little bit of that with TCU coming to Ames next week? Tell uh, me how that
2: goes. Arkansas versus A&M. Northwestern, Wisconsin.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Is it going to be? It's 24 and a half the number. Yeah, but it's a good one because they both a, a Big Ten West teams. yeah I'd rather, no, watch. I, it's I'd rather watch, watch
2: Buffalo, Miami of Ohio. It's going to be a clubbing.
1: Oh, Buffalo, Miami, Ohio is? No, no, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. All right, we'll take a timeout. John Miller will join the program next. We'll get uh, John's thoughts on the Big Ten thus far. HawkeyeNation.com is where you can read John. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1463.
0: Des Moines Sports Station 1460
1: KXNO. Miller and Con to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Final segment of the Thursday edition. Murph and Andy at 2 and then the Fanatics at 4. Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show at six, Hawkeye Nation Radio Show at seven. Lots more local programming coming uh, your way on fourteen sixty KXNO on a Thursday. John Miller used to be a part of that local programming. John, is uh, do you miss not being a part of it after this last two weeks? Are you kind of glad you're removed from it? I'll, I'll be honest, John. The the eighteen seventeen Iowa one fifth straight win, or kind of like items six, seven, and eight, how people are going to remember the 2019 CyHawk game. Are you glad you're gone?
4: Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, obviously if I'm there, there's, I mean, it's manna from heaven as far as topics to talk about. But then again, it's football season. You don't really need to manufacture those. That's kind of what you hope comes down from the sky in the summertime. But no, I don't. I mean, I'm... I, I I enjoy doing what I do and the dabbling in it that I that I dabble right now relative to the podcast and occasionally write something here and there. But uh, yeah, I, I had uh, I had my time. Now it's time for all you young guys, right, Ken? I'll ask
1: young guys indeed, John Miller. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way, my friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you know about the Big Ten West that you didn't know back in August?
4: That's a good question. I, I think. To me the biggest thing I'm most confident of is Wisconsin's a better football team than I thought they were going to be. Even though I I, I you know in my predictions I predicted them to tie for and ultimately win the West via a tiebreaker. I kind of think they're a game uh maybe game and a half or two wide of the field right now based upon what I've seen. I don't know that I'm ready to downgrade Minnesota as of yet uh because you know yeah they're 3 and 0. Those three wins are all a little sketchy in their own way, but they also won them in ways that for a program who, you know, hopes the team is buying into the attitude and mantra of its head coach, that is a very coach driven program, a coach personality driven program. And his message, I think, can wear people out if the results aren't there. They've won, they've won two games in overtime. They won one on the road at Fresno State that I was really impressed by, and, and how they won them. They found ways to win, so I'm not ready to write them off yet. Although their line of scrimmage play isn't what I thought it was. Purdue is worse than I thought they were. Obviously, without Sindilar, they, you know, them and Illinois are the two worst teams in the division. Um, and Illinois is probably a little better than I thought. And yeah. Nebraska, I don't know yet. I, 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 I the, the offense can be prodigious. I, I, I still think that they're going to find their groove offensively. And that gives them a puncher's chance in most every game on their schedule with maybe the exception of this coming weekend. But um, too, too early to tell. So really, the thing I'm most confident in is Wisconsin's better than I thought. Iowa, probably about what I thought.
2: And they played well. 3-0 on the season, a very good chance to go to 4-0. in the last two times that has happened for Iowa football, they went on to an Orange Bowl and a Rose Bowl Is this team trending in that direction? Maybe because of Wisconsin not good enough to get there, but you believe this team is going to play in a big-time bowl game come January? I don't know yet.
4: You know, they they got a number of injuries, obviously, in in the secondary. The offensive line, getting one back, losing one this week. Uh, When Alaric Jackson returns, if he can return and be the Alaric Jackson Mm -hmm. that we expected to see the beginning of the year, then that's going to make a big difference. It's awesome to see... The wide receivers involved the way they are and it's not just because you want to see wide receivers catching more passes it's because you want to see this group of wide receivers catching passes i think that if they had a tight end i mean not even to the hawkinson or fant level if they had one tight end who was a somebody the defense had to keep an eye on uh, in the passing game it, it would just make all the difference in the world but that's not going to happen this year Uh, I I think that they can be more explosive offensively. It's just doing that consistently. So, again, I think that this Iowa team is probably about where I thought they'd be with how they're playing. I I thought they would lose that game at Iowa State, so they've got a plus-one in the win column from where I thought that they were. And, you know, Northwestern's not what I thought Mm -hmm. they were going to be. Maybe they get there by the time Iowa plays them. I don't know. But they're not as strong. Purdue's not as strong. So, to me – I still I still think they're going to go to Michigan and probably lose that game because I think that game for Michigan is a uh, getting religion moment for that program. Mm. If they lose to Iowa, I think it's the beginning of the end for the Harbaugh era. And I, I think that they all I, – I just think Iowa's going to get whatever Michigan's best shot in 2019 looks like. Iowa's going to get it that day. So, But if Iowa can win in that game, then they'll have my attention figuratively, of course. They have my literal attention – but then I'm like, "Huh. Yeah, this this team can compete for something. This team maybe could go 11 and 1." Losing at Madison or something along those lines.
1: Mm. John, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The receiving core is way better than I thought that they were going to be. You know, we kept hearing about the well they need to take a step, seemingly for the last couple of years. Well, this year they took the step, uh, and it's showing on the field. You know what else is uh, to me has been the biggest eye opener? Not because I didn't believe the hype around Tyler Linderbaum, but I just kind of guess I wanted to see it for my own two eyes. Anchoring uh, an offensive line and doing so in the in a real physical league like the Big Ten, and I know it's only been Rutgers Big Ten wide yet, but watching him against Iowa State, pushing guys around and then pushing them under the ground, he's nasty, John. He's got a nasty streak to him. And he's going to anchor that line for four years. He's doing this, okay, as a redshirt freshman, but in his f- first go-around at the center position, he's been phenomenal.
4: Yeah, I don't think that anybody, either in the complex or out of the complex, expected him to play at the level that he's playing at. And I've I've watched every single one of his snap. When I watched the Rewind I typically focus on my eyes on the line. When I watch the game, it's just too hard to not focus on the ball. But when I watch it on the, rerun- the rewind, I focus on the lines, and I've watched every one of his snaps. I don't know but a couple that I've seen him make a misstep where he maybe, he maybe doubled down on, uh, on a tackle when he should have been heads up because backers came through the A-gap. He is phenomenal. And I said this two weeks ago. I think he's going to leave Iowa as their best center ever. Mm. And when you consider what they've had, and you know that little, that Daniels kid that was just there a few years ago, <laughs> who's doing things for the Bears now, I think he's got a chance to get to that level and maybe even surpass it if he stays healthy. And that said, the football James Daniels—if he would have been there for his fourth year—and mm-hmm. the the ceiling that that guy has is incredible. So that might be. I mean, Daniels is probably the the benchmark right now even over you know Bruce Nelson was really good back in mm-hmm. 2000 uh in two and they had a good center in 2008 and I can't uh mm-hmm. um he was really good in 2008 he was nasty too Linderbaum is in that nasty mold but he's bigger and stronger and he can move better
2: all right John three sacks for this team through three games defensive end position isn't deep still feel good obviously about Epinesa Golson on the other side but how big of a concern? Not not panic button level, you're 3-0, but three sacks. What does that say to you?
4: Well, in watching the line play, the, the line play against the Iowa wish I throw it out because Iowa, they could have, Ed Podolak said during the second break that there goes the pass rush because of all the rain on the field. If they play the game, there goes the pass rush. He's right. I watched the line basically try to come across straight across the line and hit a man and push that man back into the backfield and try to bubble it because that's all they can do. Because I saw three instances where A.J. and Epinez coming out of his four-point stance, his feet spun like like a a tire spinning in mud and not being able to move. That's how it was. And I also saw him get outside the left shoulder of the left tackle, which is what you want to do if you're going to rush upfield And yet, you've got to really make a hard 45-degree cut at that point in time if you're on good footing. And he tried that once, and he had to really bubble or banana his cut towards the quarterback, which effectively took himself out of the play. They couldn't pass rush, so they stopped trying to pass rush with the front four. They asked the front four to control their gaps, and then Phil Parker dialed up safety and linebacker blitzes. So the stats from that game, not going to hold it against them. But, yeah, it's it's a concern. Now, you don't have to put up huge sack numbers if you're getting pressure and if you're controlling your gaps. But if they aren't going to get pressure and this relatively still green secondary is going to have more pressure on them, that'll probably add up when they face a good slinger on the other side.
1: Hmm. Keith Duncan's giving them what they need so far, John. They're going to play in close games. It's Iowa we're talking about. They're going to need big kicks. And so far he's delivered. uh uh, we we thought he was good. We didn't know he was going to be as consistent as this. We've seen him hit big kicks in the past. Uh, Keith Duncan off to a terrific start after, you know, hanging around and waiting for this opportunity when seemingly few would have.
3: Yeah,
4: you're right. Few would have in today's world. And, you know, the kicks that he made against Iowa State with the footing that was there, I mean, if, if you're not following, if you're an Iowa fan, you're not following Tyler Kluber on Twitter, you should. Uh, because he just he underscores he's like you don't realize how difficult that is, and and Duncan just right now seems to be a little unflappable, which is a fantastic thing. I, I think he is he has great deal of control with his emotions. I think he learned a lot and took steps in growth emotionally during the time away. I mean he was still in the program, but the time away from being the guy and you're right. I mean the two things that make Iowa's defenses as good as they can be is a good kicker like that and a good punter punter is the first play of a defense the punt is the first play of a defense and a good punter versus what Iowa's was had the last couple of years is the diff- Trent, you were just talking about Iowa's low sacks mm-hmm. well if you can average eight more yards a punt on net per punt from one season to the next i mean and you can get four or five punts a game and that's 40 yards a hit in yardage, that's equivalent to like five or six sacks of lost yardage right there in just looking at it pure from a yard standpoint. So, man, Iowa has those ingredients in their favor right now because what we've seen from Michael Sleep Dalton has been incredible.
2: John, finally for you as we get out of here. It'll be good to see this football team back out on the field. It has been a long week and a half after the game against Iowa State and just everything that's gone on. I want to leave it open-ended. Any thoughts, final thoughts that you want to throw out there from Carson King to Bandgate to people upset at Come and Go? I mean, there's just so many different things that went on here. Anything still rattling around in your mind? Mostly
4: just this is like, you know, it's it's easy to flame and believe me, I've been guilty of that in my life. I'm really trying to aim before I fire more in life than I used to and yeah I was irritated the other night at what went on relative to the registers quote-unquote reporting as a lot of people were Um, Carson King is seems to be a really good human being Mm -hmm. at 24 years of age and the type of class that he has shown even in the face of that fire the other night where he didn't blame the register and said people shouldn't take it out on them my gosh, we could all be so much better in our lives, in our communities, in our homes, as families and coworkers, community leaders, just people that are walking down the street by following that same example. Love more. And that's what he's doing. And my gosh, what a, what a future mm. he has. Yeah. And the roller coaster that he's been on the last 11 days uh, I don't know, that's that's like a decade's worth of ups and downs for a lot of people, and he's handled it 100% the way that you would dream someone could handle it. I don't know that, I know I wouldn't have handled it as well as he has at 24, and uh, my hat's off to him. Yep. He is He's a great example of what we should all aspire to be. We're not all perfect, but hopefully we're progressing. He certainly has. That kid
1: has a lot going for him. No doubt about it. Well said, John Miller. Great to talk to you. You got a hit on uh, Hawkeye Nation Radio tonight?
4: We do. 7 o'clock. Look forward to being there.
1: Good stuff, John. Thank you. appreciate you coming on, and we look forward to talking to you again in the weeks to come. Appreciate it, John.
4: Thanks, boys. See good
1: to talk to you. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, well said. Um, mm-hmm. And Carson King. I mean, good God. How about his future? He'll be right? in Kinnick
2: Stadium on yes, Saturday. Yes, I saw that. He's leading the
1: wave. Good stuff. Yes. All right, so what are you going to do tonight? you going to play? Mine's four. Green Bay favored four. I think Green Bay wins. I think I'll take a step. If it gets four and a half, I'm going to grab the Eagles. I'm going to grab the Eagles. Eagles at four and a half. Yeah. Okay. So this is a tight game. As you, yes. you haven't changed your mind
2: from where you were earlier in the show. Well, we'll have our picks tomorrow. I like a college game. Well, oh, you do? I like Memphis. Minus ten and a half. Not a big believer in this Navy squad. Though they're two and O. Oh. One of those is against Holy Cross. Yeah, I don't know how much of that game I'll see tonight. I can't
1: wait to watch this uh, NFL game and tonight. And
2: baseball, kind of. What, what is there? Le- what's left? American League mm. wild card race. Mm. I did watch <laughs> a Little clip last you? night. <laughs> That's what I was flipping back and forth during the Twins celebration, watching A's and Angels.
1: All right, we'll be back tomorrow, Football Friday. Murph and Andy coming your way at 2. The Fanatics at 4. Our Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show at 6. Hawkeye Nation at 7. The Morning Rush will lead us off on Friday. Miller and Condon, thanks for being with us. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.